This is Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. We are going to talk a little more, as we have all summer, about water quality issues, about environmental justice, and infrastructure here in southeast Michigan. All summer, we have, with the WDET uh, book club, been talking about the book, What the Eyes Don't See, by Dr. Mona Hanna-Atisha, which reveals all of the things that went on in the discovery of and the effort to meet the uh, the challenges of the Flint water crisis in Flint. Also talks about all of these uh, sort of ancillary issues that have cropped up in Flint and all over Michigan and, in fact, all over the country. Um, we've been going to different parts of our community all summer to have those conversations, and we've heard from lots and lots of people. Uh, we are waiting to hear from Candace Miller, who is the Macomb County Public Works Commissioner, who is going to join us soon. But in the meantime, uh, we'd love to continue the conversation with you about water quality and infrastructure issues here in the state in the in Southeast Michigan. Uh, what are the things that concern you about access? to clean water? What are the things that concern you about pollution uh, and environmental injustice that uh, we see in parts of Southeast Michigan? And what are the things that you think about infrastructure? Think of all the, the pipes that we have beneath uh, our communities here in Southeast Michigan that need replacing. All of the things that are old and don't take, uh, don't, uh, have not been taken care of uh, for so many decades here in Southeast Michigan. What are we supposed to do about that? Uh, are you willing to pay more taxes to make sure that we have new infrastructure? Are you willing to pay more money on your water bill to make sure that not only you have clean water, but that other people here in Southeast Michigan have access to clean water? As always, the number on the phones here is 313-577-1019. That's 313 1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put comments there, or you can go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we'll work you into the conversation. Call and tell us what you're thinking about water and water access, environmentalism, and uh, infrastructure here in Southeast Michigan. We also just heard from Matt Cullen, who is the new CEO of Bedrock, which is Dan Gilbert's real estate firm, which is responsible for a lot of the things that are going on in downtown Detroit. Um, we would love to hear what you think about what he said. He talked about the new Hudson's site skyscraper, uh, the way in which plans for that may need to be scaled back or changed uh, because the market is different now than it was when it started. He talked about the west side of downtown Detroit and the development there, the things that are going on in places like Capitol Park uh, and at the book building on Washington Boulevard, uh, Dan Gilbert's uh, real estate firm and other firms are deeply involved in those kinds of developments and those issues as well. What do you think about those? Uh, what do you think about the Hudson's Tower? What do you think about the story last week about the incentives that were generated for the Hudson's Tower? And they were apparently generated without procuring the kinds of commitments 
that uh, some experts say you should from a company before you promise them incentives. Uh, again, 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put comments there or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and then uh, we'll try to work you into the conversation. Uh, we also are going to talk right now about what is going on over at General Motors, where a strike was announced, the first strike in a very long time, uh, by one of the by the automakers, uh, the automakers union against one of the automakers, and joining me to update us on what's going on with that right now is Pat Bachelor, who is the host of Morning Edition here on WDET. Pat, welcome to the studio. Thanks, Stephen. So, what do we know about what uh, what the UAW and GM are at odds over? Well, here are the main sticking points. General Motors is making a lot of money. They took in $8 billion last year, and the workers, they want a bigger slice of that. They want annual pay raises to guard against an economic downturn, but the company wants to pay lump sums tied earnings. Uh, they don't want those fixed higher costs. Uh, the uh, main sticking points, again, uh, profit sharing. GM has said uh, it has offered that. Uh, workers also want uh, uh, better health care and uh, more uh, job security. Uh, they're uh, looking for new product to be put into plants that GM is uh, shuttering, uh, including Detroit Hamtramck Assembly and the uh, Warren Transmission Plant. Uh, the Associated Press uh, got word from someone uh, who uh, is privy to what's going on that GM had uh, suggested it might build a new uh, electric vehicle, uh, a pickup truck at uh, the Pole Town plant, but uh, we they didn't confirm that. Uh, so, you know, right now, uh, the, uh, the, the workers, they just, you know, they, their, their argument is uh, that, you know, they've, they've sacrificed a lot for GM over the years uh, when GM was going through bankruptcy uh, and that it's time now that GM is making more money uh, to uh, give some of that back to the workers. Yeah. So, so I, I, I feel like this is a very different era uh, than what we would normally be thinking of here in the city of Detroit 20, 30, 40 years ago, I can remember when you would see auto strikes, the entire city almost would come to a halt over the idea that uh, that kind of acrimony was was unfolding between the workers and management at the auto plants and at the idea that uh, such a large part of the community would be affected by that. I feel like it's a little different these days. Well, part of that is because uh, UAW membership uh, isn't what it was today, uh, isn't today what it was back then. Also, uh, we are talking about a large number of workers, though, about 49,000 people uh, at 33 manufacturing plants across nine states, uh, as well as 22 parts distribution warehouses. Uh, I mean, we, we don't want to, you know, you can't really diminish the impact of this because it would have. I mean, it does have a big impact on this area. We're talking talking about two plants uh, whose future uh, is uncertain. Uh, GM has described them as unallocated, meaning that uh, after they end production uh, of uh, the vehicles they're building there, they don't have any other product assigned to those plants. Uh, and that's something that uh, the union wants. They, they want they want 
some sort of vehicles to build at those facilities. GM counters that uh, they already have too much factory capacity, especially uh, for building uh, the slower selling cars. Uh, of course, uh, they do, you know, they, they sell a lot of pickup trucks, SUVs, large vehicles, uh, not so much on the uh, uh, smaller car end. The other thing the companies are looking to do is to close the labor gap uh, in terms of uh, uh, labor costs. Mm-hmm. GM pays $63 per hour in wages and and benefits. I mean, that's not $63 an hour in your paycheck. That's everything. Mm-hmm. Benefits, all the other stuff that goes with wages. And it's $50 uh, on average at uh, foreign owned competitors. So that's a gap of about $13 per hour per worker, uh, which is according to figures from the Center for Automotive Research. Uh, Kristen Dechik, who works there, says uh, it's hard to say how how long this strike uh, might go. Uh, The last national strike against GM was in 2007. That only lasted a couple of days. Um, There are supposed to be talks resuming this morning between the two sides. Uh, Union uh, negotiator for uh, GM, uh, Terry Didis, says that uh, they're far apart right now, or they were as of uh, last night uh, when uh, when the walkout began shortly after midnight. Um, so we'll see. It, it, depending on how far they have to come, this might last longer than a couple of days. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think all of the automakers, of course, are still in a position where a prolonged work stoppage would really affect growth and profit, which they have been doing great with after the the restructuring and the bankruptcies. And it should be noted that uh, contract talks with the other two automakers are on hold at the moment. Uh, the, uh, the, the They've been, uh, well, the contract talks aren't on hold necessarily. It's just that uh, they're not striking at those plants. Uh, the contract's been extended uh, for a time, at least until GM gets resolved. So we're not seeing anything uh, uh, there. Although uh, some Ford and Fiat Chrysler workers did join uh, GM workers on the picket line this morning. Yeah, uh, give us a call if you want to talk about the striking workers at GM. Are you somebody who is on strike or is in a household with uh, somebody who is on strike? How is this affecting you or your loved ones? And what do you think of the UAW's decision to strike GM? Something that we haven't seen in a pretty long time in this community. Uh, do you think GM is being fair to its workers after? all of the help that it got during the bankruptcy and all of the sacrifices that those workers made uh, while the company got back up on its feet. As always, again, the number on the phones here is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put comments there or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today and we'll work you into the conversation. Let's go to Gene in Detroit. Gene, what's on your mind? Oh, good morning, Stephen. Hey. Um, I just want to uh, uh, give a shout-out of support uh, to the UAW. Uh, we did bail out uh, GM, and uh, uh, just like we helped them, now it's time for them to help us. And uh, i got to make the point. Uh, there was a time when there were twice as many workers as uh, there are uh at one plant, mm-hmm. the Rouge plant, you mm-hmm. had over a hundred thousand workers, and now you've only got fifty-four thousand uh, workers at GM uh, in plants across nine states of the country. Uh, that's that's where automation is going. It's never going to be the job generator that it was before. Mm-hmm. So we need to at least pay those people a uh, living wage 
and, and improve their conditions. And about your comments that earlier that you said about the city of Detroit, mm-hmm. that's the same way. We need more than just development in midtown and downtown. We need full implementation of, of the ordinance that's been on the books for over 30 years, the nuisance abatement repair to own ordinance uh, to repair residential and commercial uh, properties in the city of Detroit. That's Ordinance 7-97, Chapter 14, Article Roman Numeral 10, and we need that done immediately. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, uh, Gene, you've you've talked before when you called the show about your concerns about the way in which we try to incentivize these developments and and who benefits, like who who is the real um, uh, benefactor of uh, all these kinds of things that we do in downtown and and midtown, and I, I have to say that I, I share some of your trepidation about those things. I especially share it with this particular project on the Hudson site. I think uh, the size and scale of it is something that should have gotten way more scrutiny in this in this community uh, from just a downtown standpoint. Even um, uh, do we need something that large in that spot? Uh, configured the way it was in other cities. I feel like that would have been a more robust conversation than we had here uh, when Dan Gilbert just announced that he wanted to do it. And pretty much after that, there was no question that he could or would be incentivized to do it. So I I, I do think uh, you're right that we, we have lots of things that we ought to be thinking about a little more deeply and maybe a little differently uh, with this kind of development. Uh, uh, thanks again for the call and the comments. Uh, Pat Batchelor, I want to go to something that Gene talked about here, mm-hmm. which is the automation question uh, and and how that is affecting uh, the talks between GM and, and the UAW. I mean, this is a an industry-wide question and trend is that there are just not as many jobs as there, as there used to be. That probably has an effect on the effectiveness of a strike in and of itself. Well, perhaps. I mean, we'll just have to wait and see. Uh, again, the uh, uh, the main issue has to do with uh, the uh, uh, the profits. I mean, that, that that's the big thing for the uh, UAW workers. They want a bigger slice uh, of that uh, uh, of those profits. GM mm-hmm. has said it is willing to offer uh, more profit sharing, but uh, apparently the, the there there's some disagreement on to uh, how much mm-hmm. uh, GM is willing to pay as to what uh, the union workers want. GM has also offered uh, $8,000 payment uh, to each hourly worker upon ratification uh, of a new deal. Automation is something that's been going on for uh, quite a long time sure. uh, in, uh, in, in, in all uh, facets of manufacturing. Uh, I don't imagine that uh, that's going to change uh, anytime soon. Uh, GM has you know, said uh, that uh, they, they have more capacity than they need. What role automation plays in that, um, you know, I'm couldn't yeah. tell you. <laughs> yeah, no, it's hard to say. Yeah. Uh, Gene, again, thanks for the call and the comments. Let's go to John on the east side. John, welcome to Detroit today. I've heard some interesting conversations about the effect the Renaissance Center had on all the rest of the buildings in the, in downtown. Hmm. And I wonder if that's really been looked at because as people kept leaving the city, the Renaissance drew away, uh, you know, tenants from those other buildings and really adversely affected all of downtown. Sure, sure. John, and it's not just that uh, the office space that was available in the Renaissance siphoned 
companies from other buildings. It's also the way that we built the Rensen back in the, the late 70s and early 1980s with those huge berms out front that uh, separated it from Jefferson Avenue and Jefferson Avenue separating it from the rest of downtown. It kind of became this vortex of, of sorts where you know, things went in and, and were not able to escape to, to benefit other parts of the city. Uh, those are the kind of things that I think uh, you're right. We should be talking about and and debating about before we say to someone like Aunt Dan Gilbert, who, you know, look, he's done tremendous things for downtown Detroit. But um, is everything he does automatically the best idea? Is everything he does beyond any sort of questioning or, or scrutiny. And in other cities, there's no question that building something of that scale, of that size, would inspire a bigger debate. It would uh, require there would be more hurdles in front of the developer. Um, and I think at some point we got to grow up and, and get there. I mean, we still are in this mode in Detroit of kind of saying, well, if you want to build something here, we're just happy you're here. We're happy that you want to invest in us, uh, I think that's the first reaction, but we we really do need deeper thought about uh, the ways in which these investments affect um, <clears throat> affect the city. The Renaissance is a great example, and think of the struggles that we've had over thirty, almost forty years now since the Renaissance was built, trying to make that more a part of downtown Detroit, trying to make sure that the things that go on there aren't completely separate from uh, the rest of downtown Detroit. So, John, I really appreciate the call and the thoughts there. Um, let's go to Christine and Allen Park. Christine, I've got about a minute left, but uh, what's on your mind? Yeah, I'm just thinking about um, Dan Gilbert and the city of Detroit. I live in Allen Park, and we continue to pay additional monies on our taxes because they did a handshake. The movie, the movie studio, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah they didn't do their dil, uh, due diligence. And um, I worked downtown, the book building, uh -huh. uh, in the 70s. It's a beautiful building. Oh, wow. Wow. But so you've got to be excited about these pictures that we're seeing of yeah. what they may do to restore it. Yes, I am. Yeah. But there was that tie-in with, um, <laughs> with the city of Detroit not doing their due diligence. Right, right. And we're living it. The yeah. citizens of Allen Park are paying for that mistake. Yes, and you will be for, for many years if yeah. uh, the documents yeah. I've seen – are true. Okay, Christine, I really appreciate the call and the comments. Okay, that's going to do it for us today. Pat Bachelor, thanks for coming into the studio. Thank Always you. great to talk with you. Uh, come back tomorrow and we're going to talk with former WDET News Director Chuck Wilbur. Plus, we'll take a look at what's happening to our public lands and our national parks and why you might be concerned about their future. This is 1019 WDET, Detroit's public radio station, your station for news, music, and conversation. We'll talk again tomorrow.